Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope. When you see something like that and you see the panorama of the life of Christ, you ask yourself questions. And one is, why did he do what he did? The simple answer is really for you and for me. That's why he did what he did. In 1901, late Christmas season, General William Booth, commanding chief of a very frugal organization called the Salvation Army, he searched for a way to send a Christmas greeting to various command posts throughout the world. The best way was by telegraph then. What could he send that would really convey the spirit season? What could he say that would make a difference? What he did is he chose one word, a one-word message. The greeting simply read, others, others. And when you think about this time of year, it really is something that we've seen and recognized in the life of Jesus Christ. But it's not just for us celebrating the life of Christ as it is modeling that as well. It's about other people. I don't know why it is, but during this Christmas season, statistically, we give more. We help others more this time of year than any other time of year on the calendar. And many of you have probably already given to the Salvation Army at the grocery store or in front of the mall. Some people say we are just more generous at Christmas time. My response to that is maybe. Maybe. Here's what I think. I think even if the bell ringer was there in the month of July, you would have probably given as well. And there's a reason why. The reason is, is because there was an opportunity to give. And when we talk about Christmas and we move into this season, we've been given more and more opportunities to express our own heart. What we feel toward Christ, what we feel toward our community, what we feel toward each other. Listen, it's not a bad thing to show compassion, certainly. That's why we're here to do it during this particular season. But we shouldn't limit this, and we've talked about this before, and we say it every year. We shouldn't limit our acts of kindness just to Christmas time. We should show God's generous heart year-round, and we should give to others no matter what the time of year. I don't know if you know this, but the Christmas story has a lot to tell us. In fact, it comes in various ways through the Gospels. We talked about one particular part of the Christmas story last weekend. We talked about what some would say is a boring part of the Christmas story, and that's the genealogy of Christ in chapter 1 of the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. What I want to do is just continue the thought a little further. If you remember in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, it reminds us of certainly the genealogy and where Jesus came from. Someone even asked me last week, well, we hear the story that Joseph came from the tribe of Judah, But did Mary as well? And the answer is yes. Both of them come from the same lineage, the same tribe. So it's all complete. It was a great package. God thought that through very well. The thing that we know when we read the genealogy is a couple things. One is God always, always controls the flow of history. 
So if ever you wonder what's going on out in the world today and you ask yourself the question, who in the world's in charge, then the answer would be God. God's in charge. He controls the flow of history. The other part of the genealogy that we liked, I think, was my favorite because it left an impression on me, and that is this, that God uses imperfect people. He uses people like us. We talked about Tamar in the Old Testament. We talked about Rahab. We talked about even the people we love and we favorite the most and how lives and their lives were flawed. God uses imperfect people. And that's something that always gives me encouragement. In Matthew chapter 2, the story continues and it focuses on three men. Whenever you tell a narrative, whenever there's a story, there's always a focus. And in Matthew chapter 2, you could say the focus is on what we know or better known as three wise men. Where did they come from? The Bible says they came from the east. Well, today, if we looked at a map, it would probably be somewhere around Iraq or Iran. And some of us, we have this notion that what they did is they one morning or one evening looked out their window, saw a star and took off. These people did not do that. These people were very well prepared. They were three wise men, the operative word, wise So what they did is they prepared their food and their water. Not only that, God was preparing their hearts. The Bible says that they traveled a long way. And they probably took years to prepare for that particular journey. In fact, there was probably something that God was stirring up in their own hearts. Ah, a feeling of anticipation. Just waiting for that moment, that time when everything would be just right. And they knew that a baby, a king, would be born. It may be similar to what people feel today. The Bible says in the book of Romans that we're all waiting, whether we know it or not, we're waiting. The earth and nature is groaning and waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Well, you can run a parallel. The first coming was somewhat similar. There was an anticipation. The world was ripe. The world was spinning out of control. People were asking questions about the government. They were asking questions about taxes. They were asking questions about who would take care of them. Does that sound familiar? It does, doesn't it? Same questions, different time, same Lord. So what happens is these three wise men come from the east and the Bible tells us the story. And I want to read part of it to you. In chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Then it moves on, and I want you to look at verses 9 through 11. It says, When they heard the king, King Herod, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and it stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down, and they worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I'm going to give you just a few simple principles from this story that really encouraged me when it comes to being a good gift giver. Because if anyone or anybody typify that for us, it would certainly be these wise men. These wise men knew what they were doing. 
And when we talk about being a good gift giver, we're not talking, and really, it's very small when we speak of monetary things. We're talking about our whole lives. We're talking about a smile, a handshake, a kind word. Whatever it means for you to give, that's what's shown here for us. There's examples. There are a few things that I think about here. And here, the first and certainly was the heart of the three wise men, and that's this. They gave more than they expected to receive. Now, if you want to sum up the spirit of Christmas, it probably is right there in that one phrase. They gave more than they expected to receive. If that was something that wasn't true about these men, they would have never given to this baby and his family. There was no reason to. And the reason we know that is how could they scratch the wise men's back? How could they give something in exchange? They weren't in a place to do it. They weren't in a position socially to do any of that. What could these people possibly give in return? When the wise men went to the nave or the manger, they knew there weren't going to be and there wasn't going to be any gift exchange party. They knew that there would be no white elephants. They knew that there probably wouldn't be a lot of family there with gifts in hand. They didn't expect anything. These men were going to see a newborn baby. What these men were doing is they were visiting a baby who was born in a barn. I want to tell you right there, when you read that story, you have to say, these guys went in with no strings attached. They knew nothing was going to come their way. His parents were poor and the possibility of receiving anything in return didn't even exist. Do you know what? I I think this. I, I don't think that wise men were thinking about that. I don't think getting something in return was even on their radar. These men were about one thing. They came to give and not receive. To give with no thought of any kind of exchange. I don't know if you've experienced this. And I I hate to say it. I'm almost embarrassed to say this. But if you've ever experienced a Christmas where you received a lot more than you gave. I mean the disparity, the difference was noticeable. And if someone wanted to point it out, they could. And hopefully we are all in kind families that never point those things out. But every now and again, it shows up. That can be pretty embarrassing. And it would be embarrassing if it weren't for maybe others in our lives. Others who give from their own heart. Others who model that kind of spirit, that kind of life. Really, they model the whole and embody the whole attitude and heart of Christmas. I'm so thankful for people like that in my life. Because I know one thing. I know this about them. I'm always safe. Think about that person. Maybe in your family. Or a friend. That whatever happens or whatever you do. Wherever your weaknesses show up. Wherever your failures glare. These are the kind of people that cover you. They don't make excuses. They're not in denial. They know us. But they just cover us. They don't make it a point to to bother us or to point out where our weaknesses are. I've also known this. I've also known that there are situations where there have been hard feelings because somebody didn't get back as much as they put in. I know that exists. Listen, when it comes to giving, whatever that may be, and you have to hear this, you will never, ever be cheated. 
That's the promise of God. That if you're a giver and you give, you'll never end up on the short end of the stick. God always finds a way. God always comes in and provides for us. A man tells a story, and maybe you've heard this before, about a college friend. His name was Paul, who received a car from his brother for Christmas. That's a good brother. But he gets a car, and he's driving around on the street, and a street uh, street kid comes up. He sees this new car, and he says, hey, mister, is that your car? And the man says, yeah, that that, that is my car. I, I, I got it from my brother. He gave it to me for Christmas. The kid was amazed. He didn't know what to, what to say, what to do. But he said, man, your brother, he gave, this, he gave this car to you and he didn't ask you for anything? And then the street kid said this. He went on to say, and then he said, boy, I wish. And right when he said that, Paul thought he was going to say, boy, I wish I had a brother like that. Instead, what this kid did, he surprised him by saying, boy, I wish I could be a brother like that. Those are the kinds of people that we really do admire and we need in life. So what's the principle? What what is it here? What's the truth about this? Give more than you expect to get. The wise men show that, clearly teach us that in the story of Christmas. And then there's a second thing here. I think the second thing is, and I know it's obvious, but what do we do? We want to give out of love, not out of obligation. When you look at Matthew chapter 2, you have to go to verse 11, and it says, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and what did they do? They did something here, astounding. These wise men, these men who understood science, these men who understood math, they understood astronomy, they were wise men. The Bible says they bowed down and they worshipped him. There's something going on there. There's something real happening right here. Right here in this story, right in the middle of a manger. Have you ever received a gift from somebody with the impression that the gift was given more out of duty than desire? It's kind of awkward, isn't it? Or have you ever given a gift with that same attitude? All right, here it is. I'll give it to you. And we may not say it out loud, but body language speaks volumes. What we may say later... What we want to try to keep off our face and out of our eyes is we're not giving this with strings attached. But it does sometimes come through. Because that's not really giving a gift when you do it that way. You know what that's more like? That's more like paying a bill. Yeah, I've got to do this. It's come up, rent's due, water's due, all these things. I've got to pay the bill. When you give with that attitude, people can tell. They know. I was over at my grandkids' house yesterday and my little granddaughter ran up to me and she had two little plates in her hand with little princesses on each plate. One was Cinderella. I think the other was Belle. I know who they are now. And she said, Grandpa, do you want one? And I said, yeah, Ella, I want that one. And she goes, no, you want this one. I said, well, let's try it again. She says, Grandpa, do you want one? I said, yes, I want that one. She goes, no, you want this one. I was looking at those brown eyes. I took the one that she had behind her or handed in front of me and kept the one, let her keep the one behind her back. But I realized that sometimes we do the same thing. 
Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 is great. It says, God loves those who give with a good heart. Whatever that is, whatever gift, whatever smile, whatever, to- whatever encouragement you give, give it with a good heart. We have a time where there's going to be testing. Christmas tests that, doesn't it? And sometimes we don't like that. We feel a little uncomfortable about being tested. But I love what the Bible says. The trying of your faith, the testing of your faith is much more precious than gold. Not your faith. It's how it's tested. It's how it's tried. Christmas can do that for all of us, especially when it comes to giving. Now, here's the point. If your gift isn't motivated by love... It doesn't matter what the gift costs. And I'll be so bold to say this. It's worthless. Absolutely worthless. The wise men's gifts were special. Not because they were valuable, but because they were given with a heart full of love and worship for Jesus Christ. That's the first thing they let everyone know. Especially that family. And maybe people heard about that. I'm certain we've heard about it. What did they do? They worshipped him. They loved him. They barely even knew him. But the Bible says that they worshipped him. Didn't you have that impression? I did when our kids were up here. I love to watch our kids during the holidays sing because what they're giving you, and not only the kids, but even the adults, they gave to us because their hearts were full of love for Jesus. That's the thing that will make a difference. That's always what will leave the impression. So when we give, give out of love, not obligation. Don't hold things back, but give it with a good heart. And the last thought that I'm going to bring to you tonight is this. Give gifts that tell people they're valued. It can get busy right now. We can do a lot of things and not give the thought that we need to give. Look at Matthew again and go to verse 11 because it continues. It says this, that the wise men opened their treasures and they presented Jesus with gifts. What did they give Jesus? Well, we sing it in songs. We all usually know we've had it memorized over the years. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I said this, I think it's been a few years now. It was interesting to me because it's pretty interesting stuff here. It's pretty interesting gifts when you think about it for a child. What did these gifts mean? Why these kinds of gifts? Well, according to the custom of the day, gold was a gift to a king. Frankincense was a gift to a priest, someone, something you would give to a priest. And myrrh was a gift for one who is to die. When the wise men brought their gifts to Jesus, they didn't bring baby toys. I'd like these toys, these gifts. So what's happening here? Something is being communicated to us. Something incredibly prophetic. And even a slight glance... Even a casual observer would look at this and say, wait a minute, the gifts really don't match the person they're giving it to. That's a kid, that's a baby, that's a child. How would they know? Maybe it's a college fund. Maybe it's something else. But no, this is very, very prophetic and it has symbolism here for all of us to pay attention to. The wise men brought gifts that indicated who he truly was. Who the Old Testament prophets talked about, both the major and minor prophets, they spoke of someone like this. That's why even people in the East, these men traveled as far as they did. They knew something. And when they brought their gifts, what they were saying is, 
this is truly someone who is to be valued, someone who is to be honored. And in fact, this is someone who is to be worshipped. Gold to the king of kings. Incense to the great high priest and myrrh for the one who would die for the sins of the world. Those were the gifts given to Jesus. So when we give, we should probably give in a way that our gifts say, I believe in you. You are worth something to me. There's value here in this relationship. It's only now that I really appreciate some of the gifts I got when my kids were little. You know those gifts? A rock. A little clay with fingerprints in it. Those things that when you're a young father, you're thinking, man, I could have used a drill or a hammer or something useful. Instead, this is what I got. Put my toothbrush in it. Now I look back and guess what I value the most? I don't know where the drill went. I think they took it. I don't know where the other things are today. I really don't know. Somebody has them and it's not me. I do have some of the things that were given back then. That as a father really, really means something today. I was actually going through my drawer tonight before I came here. And I was surprised. I opened it up and looked like an ashtray. But I don't smoke. So I don't know what altogether. But I knew where it was from. I knew who it was from And I thought to myself, he's a grown man now. And he still gives with the same heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that kind of gift that values, that makes a difference. You know, we we can't afford to give with a heart that says, I'm giving this gift because I am so generous. (laughs) But rather with a heart that says, I'm giving because you're worth it. I'm giving because you are worth something. And the reason I can say that is because I know I've been valued. Someone has looked at me with eyes of worth. And that's Jesus Christ. I was once lost. Now I'm found. I was weak. Now I've been made strong. I was dead and now I'm alive. Because someone looked at me and saw value. Where there was really no value. Someone else saw it. I'm thankful for that. We all need people in our lives who look at us and say, Now, there's someone I like. You know what I enjoy the most? I enjoy this. I enjoy saying to people, Not only does God so love you, but He likes you. He really likes you. Because you know what we figure? We figure, well, God has to love me. God is love. But when you hear it put this way, he not only loves you, he likes you. That makes a whole lot of difference, doesn't it? Because it deals with our value, our worth to him. The wise men brought these valuable gifts to Jesus because they recognized his value. So when we give this Christmas, just remember those three simple principles, those truths that were taught by these men. Give more than we expect to receive. Let's give out of love, not obligation. And let's give gifts that tell people that they are valued. For God so loved the world that he gave. Would you bow your head with me? Would you do that?